Get in for a second. I'm just going to take it all in. It is so, so good to have you guys here and to be with you. I feel like this is the first time, uh, like it's a brand new thing, because it kind of is for today. I got to remember what I'm doing. I don't even know what to do right now. This is so crazy. Uh, I want to welcome you guys. My name's Josh. I feel like I need to introduce myself, but um, we want to welcome those joining us online. Uh, we're so glad to have you joining us today. Can we give our online audience a huge hand, those in the barn as well? Awesome. Awesome. And I just want to say a couple things uh, as we get started. And uh, we recognize, you know, everyone's uh, comfort level is different in this season. And there's grace for that, right? And, and we're, we're trusting that God will continue to guide and direct us as a church. But I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Um, thank you for your perseverance these last couple of months. Um, it's been very strange as a pastor to be disconnected, you know, uh, in a lot of ways from the congregation. But it's been a great encouragement to me to see how much you guys have still engaged. And uh, your, your giving has been very generous, and you guys have just been involved in so many ways. So thank you so much for all that. Thank you for being the church, whether we're in a building or out in the world. So can you guys give yourselves a huge hand online as well? Just thank you guys so much. Awesome. It's been a, a crazy season, hasn't it? <laughs> and I don't, we don't get the impression that it's going to be over anytime soon. There's more craziness to come. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. I know we've prayed a lot this morning, but I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump into God's Word together. So would you guys just go ahead and bow your heads with me? God, I'm so thankful to be joined together as a church family um, in, in different ways this morning. God, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for all that you're doing. God, I thank you for even in this room right now, um, those that are graduating. We thank you for the little ones that are cooing. Um, we even have some people in additional seating in this, in this building. We thank you for, for them. And we just thank you for all that you're doing, God. I pray that you will continue to use us as a church to proclaim your name. God, please use us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, how are we doing? Good? Good, all right. I got to remember to keep looking here at the camera, and you guys can see me up there, can't you? On the screen in here. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Uh, can you guys thank our tech team? They do, they've done such a great job the last few months. We appreciate them. So. All right. Uh, today, real quick before we get into the message, Father's Day. Um, I just want to say thank you to all the men. And I think what our world needs right now, more than ever, is spiritual fathers, right? We need men of God who are going to lead by faith, right? Who are going to model their faith for their family, for their coworkers, and for their world. And so I just want to continue to challenge and raise the bar for you as men, for us as men. Um, thank you, dads, for all that you do. Your role is vital. And I, I just feel like I want to say um, much of what we see happening in our culture as far as, um, I'm trying to how to say it, not the battles, but the, the tension that we feel between uh, men and women and roles and equality, those are good things to be wrestling with. Um, but God has designed us uniquely to have roles as men and roles as women. It's not, it's not a matter of, of value or equality, but God has given certain roles and responsibilities. And so I don't want us to ever lose that right? As, as men or as women, uh, we have important things that God has called us. So just men, thank you for your, your spiritual leadership. Thank you for your faith in God. 
Um, thank you for being a part of a church family. Because can we just give all the men, all the dads, a huge hand this morning? Appreciate you so much. All right. Well, we're continuing a series today that we started last week. We didn't talk much about what the series was, but it's actually a series that I did back in 2012. And if you were part of our church in 2012, and if you remember any of this, like I will be super impressed. But I'm resurrecting a series we did then. We called it In His Image, but now we're calling it Imago Dei. It's a study in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. I have such a burden right now in this season to make sure that we as a church, as Christians, um, are rooted in the Bible and that we're rooted in a biblical worldview. Okay, so let me just talk to you real quickly about what a worldview is. You all, we all have a worldview, it's like the lens that we wear and that we interpret the world that we live in through. Are you guys tracking with that so far? Here's the definition. A worldview is a set of beliefs and assumptions that a person uses when interpreting the world around them. So here's a couple different worldview issues, and you have a lens by which you view all of these issues. Here's what they are. A couple of things I'll mention. Um, what and who we are as human beings is a worldview type question. Were we created or did we evolve? That's a worldview issue. What is our purpose in life? That's a worldview issue. Does God exist? From where do we derive our morals? Are there moral absolutes? These are all worldview issues. You guys tracking so far? Everyone has a worldview. I want you to be conscious. I want you to be thinking about your worldview. Some people believe in God. Other people do not. Some people believe in evolution. Some people believe in creation. Some believe that there are absolute morals. Others believe that morals are relative. Some worldviews are very refined. Some are not quite as refined but we all have beliefs by which we view the world through. Are you guys tracking with this? You have a worldview. What I want to challenge you to do is I want to challenge you to think about what your worldview is, and I want to challenge you to have a biblical worldview. We would be surprised how quickly we latch on to worldview, worldviews of those around us. We want to make sure we have a biblical worldview. And one of the key questions that... Our culture is asking right now is the question of the value of human life. You guys tracking with this so far? All right. There's lots of questions about which lives matter and why does life matter. And I think, I think these are important questions. These are critical questions. These are worldview type questions. Do you guys see that? We are right in saying that human life matters. One of my questions, though, is why? Why does a human life matter? Why do we believe that all lives are valuable? Why do we believe that there is intrinsic or built-in value to every human being? I brought up a stapler. This is going to be my prop for today's message. You're going to learn so much from this stapler. <laughs> I hope you guys are ready, right? Why? Why is a human life more valuable than this object? I know it sounds like a silly question, because it's just a given, right? That a human being is more valuable than this, but I want to just ask the basic question, why? Right? Why, why is a human being, those four 
uh, young girls that were standing up here a few minutes ago, why are they more valuable? I hope you would say that they're more valuable than the stapler. But why do we say that there's more value in a human being than in, in an object? Or why do we say that a human being is more valuable than an, an, another animal or a bug? Or This is a worldview question. Why is there value? Why do we believe there's value intrinsic in a human life? When Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., cast vision for a time when people are judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, why does that resonate with us? Why is there value in human life? And why is a human life more valuable than anything else? So, imago Dei is a Latin phrase, and imago Dei is the Christian doctrine that human beings are made in the image of God. This is huge. This is a worldview perspective. This is a biblical worldview. Imago Dei is the Christian doctrine that says that human beings have intrinsic value, not because we have evolved to the point where we recognize that humans are important or that they're the ultimate part of creation, but human beings have intrinsic value because they were made by God in God's image. Does this make sense? I haven't had any interaction for 15 weeks. I, I need some interaction today. All right? <laughs> you keep giving me interaction online. That's the doctrine of Imago Day, And we get that from Genesis. I'm going to read a few verses. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2 today. I'm going to read a few verses from Genesis chapter 1. But that's a huge question, is why does, why does life have value? Why do human beings have value in the first place? So Genesis chapter 1, we're just going to kind of rehearse a little bit. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Can you guys say that with me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then we skip to verse 12. It says, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed according to their kinds. So God is creating... Each day, he's creating more things. Verse 25, then, of Genesis chapter 1, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. This is what Scripture is teaching us about the beginning of our world. This is a worldview issue. You guys tracking with me? These are worldview questions. These are worldview issues. I think, um, now we're going to read a few more verses in Genesis chapter 2. Let's actually just go there right now. Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. So basically, Genesis chapter 1 is a detailed account of creation. Day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4. And I know this raises all kinds of questions. It raises all kinds of questions, uh, evolution versus creationism. And I just want you guys to know that uh, I am a firm believer in a literal uh, six-day creation. Now, I think there's answers that connect with science that give those explanations. I don't have time to go into all of that right now, but I, I am looking at the world and looking at the Bible through that lens. Does this make sense? That I believe that God created in the beginning, that God was the one that began things in the beginning, and that the Bible is not a science book, but it does give us some idea of what God did in the beginning. 
All right, so now we're looking at Genesis chapter 2. It's a little bit more of a summary of that, of that beginning point. And here's what it says. In verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. That's why we have a seven-day work week. It's why we have a Sabbath or a day of rest. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. A little bit more about, about Adam and Eve. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord made them, made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no, no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and, the, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living being. This is talking about the creation of Adam, about the first human being, that God breathed life into him, and this is why we get this doctrine of Imago Dei, made in God's image. So I want to just give you three quick things this morning. The first is this, and this is going to seem obvious, but it's an important distinction, that God is the creator, and we are what? We are the creation. (laughs) It's an important distinction. God is the creator, and we are the creation. We are not the ultimate in in our universe. God is. God created us. Here's what Psalm 8, verses 3 through 9 says. When I consider your heavens, it says, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. Here's a good question. What is man that you are mindful of? of him. If there truly is a God that created all of this, which we believe there is, then who are we amongst all of creation that God would care for us? But he does. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands, and you put everything under his feet. All the flocks and herds, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Look at Psalm 24. I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you today. hope that's okay. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, the earth is whose? Or who? Yeah, whose. That's the right word. All right. The earth is, is whose? The Lord's, right? The earth, it belongs to God. God is the creator of everything. It belongs to him. It's his. He's the creator. We are the creation. The earth is the Lord and everything in it the world, and what? And all who live in it. You are God's creation. God made you. Then look again at verse 7 of Genesis chapter 2. Again, I want us just to marvel at at what this says. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. You guys heard the phrase, from dust to dust, right? We came from dust, we will return to dust. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living being. God is the author of life. He's the one that gives you the air in your lungs. You are alive today only because God wants you to be alive today. Amen to that. 
You are alive precisely because the creator of the universe wants you to be alive. This is a worldview uh, issue. So why does human life matter? Because, because God made it, right? Human life matters because God made it. Why does our world matter? Because God made it. You matter because God made you. So you are the creation. God is the creator. Number two, I want us to know this, that our purpose comes from our creator. If you want to know your purpose as a human being, your purpose is determined by the one who made you, by your creator. You will not know until, uh, who you are until you know who God is. If you're fuzzy about your identity, it may be because you're fuzzy about who God is. Again, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. I want us to see again. God said, let us make man in our image. We'll get into that plural. You guys see that word us? A little confusing. If God is speaking, why does he say let us? Uh, we'll get into that next week. But God said, let us make man, what does it say? In our image and in our likeness. Let him rule over the fish and see the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This is why Human beings have a unique place among all of God's creation. God gave us dominion over the world around us. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. It's like it keeps repeating it. I want you to get it, right? Let us make man in our image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now look again at verse, uh, verse 5 of Genesis chapter 2. Again, we're talking about purpose, right? So God created human beings to have dominion over the world, to, to, to steward the world. Look at verse 5 then that we read earlier. No shrub had yet appeared on the earth. The Lord God had not sent rain, and there was no one to work the ground. So one of the purposes of man is to work the ground. Um, I love, Brianna, that uh, you're into, uh, it's creative, creative stuff. I'm not a very creative person. I can build things. I can't really design or come up with new ideas. But God wants us as human beings to be creative. He wants us to create. He wants us to steward. He has a purpose for our lives. And so God's purpose for Adam was to work the ground. He has a plan for us. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit more from this uh, stapler. Who gets to decide what the purpose of this stapler is? Yeah, there's a couple of different answers to that question, right? The person holding it can decide what I do with this stapler. But how do we know the true purpose of this stapler? Ask the creator, right? Yeah, I was leading you there. That was obviously a, I was leading, a leading question. But if you really want to know the true purpose of this tool, you go to the one who designed and made the tool, right? If we want to know our purpose as human beings, we need to go to the one who made us and look for our design from him. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, tools can be used for all kinds of reasons. They don't have to be used for the intended purpose of the creator. Um, what other things could you use this for? Hammer. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I've got an iPad here. I won't do that. But uh, you could use it for a hammer. What else could you use it for? A weight, a paperweight. All right. Uh, a weapon. Yeah, I could shoot staples at people. <laughs> Uh, so there's lots of things. Let me ask you a couple of questions regarding that. What happens if you use a tool for something other than what it was intended for? What typically happens? Bad yeah, bad things. <laughs> That's a great summary. <laughs> bad things, right? Either the tool breaks or somebody gets hurt, right? 
I grabbed a hammer one time, and I was going to swing at something, and I had the wrong end. I had the claw end instead of the, the other end, and I was going to swing. So luckily, I caught myself, but that would have been bad, right? If whatever I was swinging at, I swung at with the claw end, that would have been bad. The same thing happens for us. When we live according to a purpose other than what God created us for, uh, people get hurt. We get broken. We were meant to, for a certain way, for a purpose. God creates for a purpose. We have to go to him for that purpose. Pursue God first for your purpose, and then everything else makes sense from there. This is a worldview issue, isn't it, church? What is your purpose, and how do you discover that purpose? We were created by God. Let me give you number three. As creation, that's us, our first and primary purpose is to bring glory to God. It's not an early retirement. That is not our whole purpose in life, although retirement is fantastic. Oh, I, would, I wouldn't know, but I'll know one day, hopefully. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, our first and primary purpose is to bring glory to God. Now, what does that mean? The word glory in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, comes from the word kabod, and it means weight or heaviness or significance. Glory is a, is a church word. It's a Bible word. But it means weight or significance. So to bring glory to God means to ascribe to God weight and significance and priority. If you want to give God glory, that means that you recognize, God, you are important. You are significant. To see God and give him glory um, in our hearts and lives, that's what, that's what we're created for. The primary purpose of your life is not to make money, retire, and collect seashells. Your purpose as a part of God's creation is to bring praise and honor and glory to God. We do that by living out the purpose he's given to us. If God has called me to preach, I bring glory to God by preaching the word. Make sense? If God has called you to be a mom, if that is your purpose given to you by God, then you bring glory to God by being a mom. <laughs> Right, that's how you bring glory to God, by living out the purpose that God has given to you. God is glorified by that. God is, is made much of by that. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, For by him, it's talking about Jesus, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. All of God's creation, which we are a part, is created to point to God and say, you are great. Psalm 8, verse 2. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory, right, that's weight and significance and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name, and worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. One of the questions that comes up for me is, isn't God kind of a glory monger? Right? Like, if I'm, if I'm all about my own glory, like, hey, worship me, there might be some problems with that, right? So is it different for God? Is, isn't he just a glory monger? Like, why do we all have to say God is so great all the time? And here's the reason. <laughs> because he is. 
right? It's not like a selfish thing. God's like, oh, praise me, worship me. No, it's just who he is. It's just a fact of who he is. Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display their knowledge. What it's saying is that the universe is saying, God is amazing. God is great. They're not making it up. They're just telling it like it is. Jesus even said that if we won't worship God, if we won't cry out, that the rocks will. That God deserves praise because of who he is, and we are his creation, and that's our whole goal in life is to worship God. These are worldview issues. Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. Let me read some more scripture. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in, in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. We need to add a few more instruments to our band. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. We have some back here. We have at least that part in our band. Let everything that has breath, what does it say? Praise the Lord. That is your job. That is your purpose is to praise God, to recognize who he is. So what do we do? I want to read from a couple more verses from Romans chapter 12. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. These are worldview issues. I want to share one last thing, and then we'll wrap up. I was listening. You guys may not know this name. Uh, there's a Christian pastor by the name of John Piper, and uh, he pastored a church for many, many years. Um, he's doing other ministry now, but I, I saw the title of one of his messages recently, and it really intrigued me. His question was, did Christ die for us or for God? That's a challenging question. Did Jesus die on the cross for us or for God? And the question is really about what do we believe about um, the center of the universe, basically? <laughs> do we believe that we are the center of the universe? And there's this tendency in in, in Christian faith right now to, to talk all about God's love for us, which is significant. But if we're, if we're not careful, we can get confused and begin to believe that life is all about us. I shared with you guys a few months ago about this book called uh, Cat and Dog Theology, and I love the analogy. Uh, a dog says about his master, you feed me, you bathe me, you take care of me, um, you must be God. 
about his master. The cat says, you bathe me, you clothe me, you feed me. What? I must be God, right? <laughs> That's such a great, such a great metaphor. And, and so did Jesus die on the cross for us or did he die for God? And, and Jesus died on the cross out of, out of obedience to God. He did it to glorify God. And at the same time, he's proving his love for us. Okay, are you guys tracking with this so far? I know it's kind of, this is our first time back. Maybe I should go a little bit lighter next time. Uh, I've been waiting for this. Um, but, but he talked about self-esteem in his message. And his, his argument, which is kind of a strange, a hard argument, he said, what we don't need is we don't need higher self-esteem. We need higher God-esteem. Because the only reason that it, it makes that it matters that God loves us is because God is so great, right? If all we ever talk about is you know God loves us, God loves us, and we lose how how significant God is, then God's love for us doesn't mean a whole lot. So our value does not come from the fact that you know yes God loves us. Our value comes from the fact that God is great and worthy of praise, and this great God He loves me and He loves you. He said, we don't need a greater view of ourselves. We need a greater view of God. We're tempted, I think, right now in Christianity to just give messages that say, you are great. God loves you. You are great. You are great. But the only reason that message matters is because God is great. He talked about in this message, he said, we don't go to the Grand Canyon to see how great we are. (laughs) <laughs> we don't walk up to the edge of Grand Canyon and go, man, I am amazing. Woo! <laughs> we go up to the Grand Canyon, we recognize I am nothing. I am small, but God is great. Right? The transcendence of God is, God is amazing. We go to the Grand Canyon to marvel at how amazing God is. So that's why we're doing this in the beginning part of Genesis, trying to set the stage properly. The reason that that human life matters, that it has intrinsic value, is because we were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. We bear every human life, born or unborn, whatever color, doesn't matter. We were made in the image of God. We have value because God says we're valuable. That's why this is a worldview issue So why don't you guys go ahead and stand with me as we pray. God, I thank you so much for a chance to gather together, uh, whether it's in person here, whether it's in our barn, whether it's in our parking lot or online, whether people are watching this live or are going to be watching this later. God, you can work through all of it. And I just pray, God, you continue to root us in what matters. God, you have a plan for this world. Help us to to see God through that lens. God, we are your creation. We put our faith and trust in you. God, I'm thankful that that my life matters. I believe that with my whole heart, that, that my life matters because you as the creator said that my life matters. I don't need anybody else or anything else to tell me that and the same thing goes for every single person listening to this message that their life matters because a great God creator God 
says that it does. God, we are made in your image. Continue to craft us and shape us and mold us into that image. Help us to know what that means, God. Please forgive us. God, you are mighty. You are great. Just take a minute to pray and be silent before God today. What is God saying to you today about your value, about his control of the world, about his plan, maybe about your worldview? Heavenly Father, I love that we can see within culture, we can see these things popping up that show, God, that, uh, that you are involved. As far as I'm concerned, there's no other explanation for why we have this deep-seated belief that there's intrinsic value in a human life other than the fact that we believe in this doctrine called Imago Dei, that we are all valuable, we are each worth uh, we have worth because of, because of you, God, because of who you say we are. Help us to worship you today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.